Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm inter interviewing Australian Paralympic former world champion superstar Alex Green all the way from Sydney. Hi Alex. Hi Sarah. <laughs> um, Alex, you're, a, you're in the middle of this cycle getting ready to aim for Rio, aren't you? Yeah, two years to go basically, so it's all ramping up from now. <laughs> How does that feel? Um, time has gone very quickly from London. It's been a blur and there's been no downtime really. It's gone mm -hmm. super quickly and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, only two years and I'll blink and it'll be one year and then I'll blink again and we'll be there. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be there. Um, so yeah, it's gone. It's, it's going and it's gone and it's a whirlwind and yeah, there's barely time to breathe. Yeah, and you are um, like 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 all the paracyclists. You ride on the road and you ride on the track, don't you? Correct. Yeah. And you've only been riding since 2010. So when you were when you won your bronze medal in the London Games, that was like two years yeah. of racing. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. The short answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into cycling? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I, it's, a, it's a weird kind of thing. I grew up being told, like, I don't have a disability, just um, get on with it, blah, 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 blah. So I spent my teenage years kind of um, just being an able-bodied person with a limp. Mm -hmm. um, and then one day in like 2007, I was watching something on um, Australian TV. It was a documentary about this girl trying to make the para-equestrian team for Beijing. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking um, what this, you know, thing that I have, um, is my cerebral palsy enough to qualify me to go to a Paralympics? And I Googled the Australian Paralympic Committee. They had a talent search day. I went... I was eligible and I got into rowing because I live by the water and I loved the water and I'd always wanted to learn to row and by this stage I was um, 21 and I started rowing and six months later I was on my first world championship team for rowing. Wow. Um, so that was amazing and I loved it and then some stuff happened where they weren't going to take a boat to London um, they just didn't have the kind of depth within the team that they were looking for and I was cycling for cross training and I had a local coach helping me out and he said come to the velodrome um, and he spoke to the paracycling coach who came out and saw me ride on the track and he said okay she's got to come to paracycling and that was it basically I jumped over and then another six months later I was on a track bike at the world championships wow that's incredible yeah it's crazy <laughs> um amazing but intense you know it was suddenly pressure situation and at least with um cycling it's it's pretty easy ish to ride a bike like with rowing it's so technique based yeah um so you can you know it takes years to build up that technique um but for cycling it's about specific power and endurance and I had the endurance from the rowing side so it was an easier switch if I if I had hadn't come from rowing I don't know um if it would have been as quick yeah yeah, yeah. But, I mean was it weird then I mean having to making that adaptation from thinking of yourself as able-bodied you know able-bodied with a limp to kind of thinking disability sports and stuff was yeah did you have to make a weird head switch there 
Yeah, and now I consider myself. Um, oh, sorry, my phone's going off. My bad. Um, I consider myself uh, disabled, but I'm almost apologetic for it sometimes. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm disabled enough to compete for my country, but it's mild. So yeah, I don't know where I kind of fit in necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to all all my fa- friends and family, I'm just me, and it's. It's not necessarily that there's a tag attached that says disabled. Um, so it's weird. Like I, I'm, I don't qualify for a disabled parking permit. So, like, <laughs> I'm on the very mild scale. Yeah. Um, I still have a disability. So it's yeah, getting my head around that. It's it's pretty ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. But I, I read about you that you're the youngest director of the board of the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. I am. Yes. Another. <laughs> crazy amazing thing that happened to me um I was asked to kind of join a pool of people they were looking for as um board directors and um I kind of bring a youth perspective and and they need part of the constitution of our board is that um two members have a disability Mm -hmm. and um so they have to you know create a pool of future potentials just to kind of make sure that if anything happens, that they have places, people to fill the places. And I got asked and I said, yes, um, did some due diligence in terms of looking over of what I needed to do for the board. And they asked me to join pretty much straight away. And it's been an intense and crazy ride. And um, the pressure that's on you in a board environment is amazing and I love it. So <laughs> it's crazy. I am the youngest, um, but we have a very diverse board and it's really kind of something brilliant to be part of and I'm learning so much. So was that, did that come about through the paracycling or, or was it something that came that was like on a completely different track? Well, I think, I mean, I Cerebral Palsy Alliance was formerly the Spastic Centre mm-hmm. and they obviously deal with children with cerebral palsy, adults with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, because I had cerebral palsy, saw them when I was young, when I was first diagnosed with cerebral palsy, and we did some treatments through the centre. Um, and so my name's been on the books for my whole life. Right. And then I did another program after London um, with the Cerebral Palsy Alliance, and I think that kind of reintroduced myself um, to the organisation, and I guess paracycling brought brought about that reintroduction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so you're doing that. You're doing paracycling. You've just finished your mechanical engineering degree. I have. Yes. <laughs> so what do you do in your spare time, Alex? <laughs> oh, sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm a fully qualified mechanical engineer, but I'm not yet working as a mechanical engineer, and I don't know where that's going to take me either. So, I mean, for the moment, I ride my bike full time. I work at a bike store in the city of Sydney part time. Um, I'm on the board, and after Rio, hopefully, I'll get a job as a mechanical engineer full time for at least a year. And then reassess the paracycling after that for Tokyo 2020. <laughs> Looking ahead. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I I was looking down your Palmares, and you were um. I think you've 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 got some great results. You've obviously got the bronze in London, and mm. you've got the Track World Championships gold in the individual pursuit from two thousand and twelve. And then you've obviously won, won the silver in the Track World Champs this year too. Yeah, and I also got my first world champs in Italy. I won bronze. So every time you win two Track World Champs, you've come back with a medal. I have. I don't have one of each colour, but I'd prefer more gold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, one of the things I find really must, that must be quite frustrating is the fact that, you know, obviously you don't have very many Track World Champs. You may or may not have one in 2015. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, is, that, is that frustrating? I mean, do you look at it sometimes and think, God damn, I want to beat Sue, um, you, you know, your, your Aussie teammate on the track, but there's not many chances to race. Um, I guess I'm lucky with one of my main rivals being another Australian. We see each other uh, a bit more often, you know, there's a couple races in, we have states and nationals and things like that. Um, but in terms of worlds, yeah, as you know, it's, it's the pinnacle, it's what, what we aim for, it's what we build up for. And I, I want to win back those world champ stripes. So I need another opportunity and I'm desperate for another opportunity. Um, so it's tough when the UCI have not announced the next track worlds and I hope they're working on it and I'm sure they're working on it. And, you know, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that I'm unaware of, but at the moment there's no announcement and I'm building up as if there is a world champs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all we can do, be prepared for it. Um, but mentally it's really hard when you jump on the bike and you're doing an effort and you know at the moment there's nothing, you know, there. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the mental side that gets to you. So, yeah, you can prepare physically for it, but mentally, like, I can't – my visualizations are kind of off because there's no location. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess one of the things I find interesting is the Aussie, the Aussie paracycling team seems to be like a family. It seems so close-knit. Yeah, it's a it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, not that I've had a lot of experience in, let's say, the you know, Great Britain cycling team or the USA paracycling team, but in terms of my perspective and seeing other teams out there, we're we're a pretty cool team. I just say something. <laughs> Amazing staff, like mechanics and swannies and coaches, and then the staff back in Australia are helping us, you know, sports psych and nutrition and everything, and then. Everyone gets along really well, and it's pretty relaxed and chilled as most kind of Australian team environments are. Um, and then race day comes and race faces go on. But, um, you know, behind the scenes, it's an amazing bunch of people, and we ride together and have fun together. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I loved it all on Twitter. I can't remember which competition it was, whether it was Worlds this year or whether it was Paralympics, where, where, the, Aussie, where the Aussies were just teasing the people who still had right right races to ride by eating i was in mexico where you're all eating meat <laughs> after oh, you finish races yeah because you could oh we still weren't allowed to eat meat we were allowed to eat um meat when we got back to um 
America, but we still want to like. But there's always something like we were in Canada for a, for Road World, and so if you finish earlier, they have like Tim Hortons, this like donut place, and so the Tandem boys went and got like a box of donuts each and just devoured them. And yeah, it was like photos and like, do you want a donut? And we're like, no, we can't eat a donut. It's pre race, and it's just you know ridiculous jokes like that. And the amount of sugar some of those boys can consume after a race, it's just insane. Well, I mean, Aussies are hyper naturally anyway so <laughs> sugar up tandem riders are just going to be mental oh gosh it's ridiculous and then you give them a beer later and it's just even worse so <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Funny. yeah no I, I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to to, to I mean even before, you know in the worlds in 2012 like just just being able to watch people on twitter and, and read you know your blogs were great and you know I grew up in London and seeing London through you know riders eyes or you know people who coming there coming there to coming there to compete just felt really good (laughs) I London was amazing it was I remember um we because we were in Wales while the Olympics was on yeah um and so we got to kind of feel the feel a bit of the build-up um but there was an ad I think it was for channel four yeah and it's it was that big one you know thanks for the warm-up yeah Um, at the at the Olympians and the Olympics and stuff and it was like now the Paralympics can get going and it was just it the atmosphere and there was no like downtime between the Olympics and Paralympics. Like there was still that excitement in the air. Yeah. And that was amazing to feel that because we rock up to competitions and there's like four people in the audience mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. us. And then to go to London and have a packed velodrome and thousands and thousands of people cheering for you like I've never heard something that loud I'm like I can remember it so vividly it's it's amazing and to sit on that warm-up bike and just hear people cheering and be so excited to to watch you race and it just put the nerves and the adrenaline through the roof like it was to another level completely and my parents were in the crowd you know they don't normally come and watch me unless it's a big meet and oh god it was insane it was one of the best races of my life even though the result wasn't there for me but that atmosphere it was insane did you did you watch any? I mean, I loved the Paralymp- Channel Four did the Pan- Paralympics so well for us. We, you know, we had amazing coverage, and we had um the daily the daily comedy show about it, the last leg with the last leg, yeah, with with Adam Hills from Sydney, and um you know like like watching Jodie Cundy, for example, become a you know a, a nationally famous for for that week was hilarious. It was wonderful. Yes, his outburst. Yeah. <laughs> What a classic. Yeah, that was, I just, I love that, you know, it's certainly um, Paralympic, Olympic, it doesn't matter, we're all, we're all there and to see the last leg and joking about, you know, various prosthetic limbs or whatever disability and kind of bringing a humour to it and it just involved everyone and then, oh, yeah, Jerry Cundy's outbursts and some of the drama, it was awesome. So when you think, so when you think back, Apart from the velodrome, what are your memories of London? Um, I had a really nice glass of Prosecco in a <laughs> beautiful little um, cafe uh, in one of the cobbled streets of London. And I think 
um, riding the tube and the athletes' village with just everyone and, you know, I think just going out onto the street and having people come up to you and say congratulations. And I um, I was looking through photos the other day and I have this picture of when I got my medal in the velodrome and I went up to see my family afterwards in the close of, you know, the session. Yeah. And there were people there that wanted to congratulate me and to look at my medal and and that was really nice. Like no one's ever asked to see my, my, my medal before or to say congratulations or I watched your race and you did really well and that was really cute and all the kids like that came up and said, oh, can, I, can I touch the medal? And you're like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is it weird to go from – because the thing I wonder about, about paracyclists is obviously because if you're an able-bodied cyclist, you then get to go to World Cups and, you know, people are cheering – you know, you still get kind of lots of people who are supporting you, but – is it is it weird to have that you know one fortnight of superstardom and then go back to normal? Go back to no one's there again. Um, I mean, it's not something. Yeah, I think that often, but it's it's quite nice to have. And like I said, you know that that atmosphere in the velodrome. Um, but then when we go back to racing, yeah, I, I, it's not like I noticed the lack of yeah. crowd support I guess yeah um so because you're just focused on what you're doing but yeah I guess <laughs> now that you say it <laughs> oh no I put something in your mind <laughs> I'll be like oh look it's my dad cheering thanks dad <laughs> well I I really loved this year's road world champs because I was watching it live on my laptop you know yeah. and it from from green from Greenville California Carolina and yeah and that was that was really you know that was that made me really happy being able to actually see the races and how cool was that? It was just wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean we were watching it back in the hotel. Like for us to see you know someone else race when you know it's the day before a race and it's stay inside and don't yeah. you know stand up and blah 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 standard cyclist stitch up, and then for us to be able to watch it our friends and mates race it was so cool and to watch the like c4 five men fight to the line and for us to like see that sprint and to see you know that round the back of the course that was just the coolest thing ever like live streaming of a race why has that not happened before yeah yeah and, um, and america does this they're like that they just they seem to be like creating let's just see if we can put an iphone on the back of a bike and see if it works <laughs> you know or, or let's see how we can make it happen and I just I love that I love that approach because you know you don't need who needs tv when you've got the internet it's just it made me really happy yeah oh gosh me too Sarah it was yeah so <laughs> and of course the Americans will do it like come on you know they're all into this of course the Americans can do that you ask them to live stream the race they're going to do that yeah. so that was awesome yeah, no, I wanted to ask you, um, when we were watching, because obviously the C4-5 women were racing with the C1-2-3 men. Yes. And so, Joe, bless his heart, Jody Cundy is just my Twitter superstar. He was telling me, yeah, what you have to do is look out for the different colour helmets and the different colour yeah. race numbers. And I was wondering, how, what, what, what does that, how does that feel in a race? Is that really, does it make it super complicated? Just, you it know. It really does. It's pretty crazy. Because we had, there was something like almost 50 riders in our bunch. And so, like, you have to remember when we normally race as the women, there's like seven. Oh, my goodness. So you go to 50 
and it's suddenly, oh my gosh, and all different disabilities. So you're going from C1 all the way to C5. So it's the whole spectrum of single bike riders. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty insane. You know, you've got like single leg guys and then chicks with one arm and then kind of everyone in between. Um, and you go down a hill and some people are naturally um, handle their bikes better downhill. And then you go up the hill and the single leg guys, because they're so much lighter, their power to weight, is so different and they just fly up the hill so you kind of have to pick your helmet color depending on what you're doing yeah and not get caught behind the wrong person (laughs) so it is tactically kind of exciting and i personally love racing with the c123 guys because suddenly i can like sit in the bunch and it's a bit more um interesting in terms of like who can sit in who's got the skills Uh, i usually get that out the back because it's so fast from the get-go mm-hmm. um, but I really enjoy racing with the C123 men I know there's a lot of chicks out there that that like not uh it's not their preference they yeah. prefer C45 women or separate C4 separate to C5 which would be amazing but at the moment we just don't have the numbers really mm-hmm. um to kind of get that going um so the bunch is nice but yeah it's tough and and you know, someone you know if you're um there was people coming up behind me at one stage and I was like, oh, my gosh, is this another C4 chick? Like, who's catching me? And you look back and you're like, I can't even tell what helmet colour that is. And then suddenly <laughs> a guy goes past you and you're like, oh, okay. And you, you try and jump on him and then you're like, am I allowed to draft him? What's happening? Oh, yep, he's a C3, not a C4, so it's all good. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot happening. <laughs> that sounds and, – and you don't really have a ch- – I mean, how often do you do that kind of thing? Race with the men? Yeah. I mean, is that something that you basically have to work out at World Championships how to make it work? Well, yeah, yeah, ra- yeah. racing with the disabled C123 men is a World Champ thing, World Cup thing. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, every weekend I'll go race and it's a road race with the boys. Yeah. Um, but usually all limbs attached and it's all good, but... <laughs> Yeah, to then have it, and you, you know, you're coming down to a sprint with the C one, two, three men, C four, five women, but you're only racing the C four women. Yeah. So you're like, oh, cool, I'm winning. Am I winning? Do I have to sprint this person who's coming up behind me? You know, you can hear someone coming, and you're not too sure if it's male, female, C one, two, three, four, five. So it makes it interesting and slightly dangerous at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I could kind of see why Sarah Story started her sprint early. She could have started sprinting from about six kilometres out and she still would have pushed everyone. So she's amazing. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) So you've been all around the world with cycling, like this, 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 like this adventure. You've, you've, you've raced in all kinds of countries. What's, what have been like moments you, you look at and think, wow. Um, it's all pretty amazing. I, I really like, Going to somewhere that English is not the main language. Yeah. Um, I love going to Spain because we're always there in the summer. So it's, uh, <laughs> and you get to work on the tan lines and the riding is amazing. <laughs> it's great coffee and, you know, so that's always nice. <laughs> See, this, uh, is, this is one of the reasons why I like the paracyclists, you know, the kind of able-bodied cyclists. Oh, no, we can't ever let a glass of wine cross our lips. <laughs> Um, some of, yeah, most of our camps are dry, but every now and then we enjoy a glass of a nice, uh, red in Spain. That's quite nice after a race. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I've been to so many amazing places. Oh, you know what's really lovely? When we fly, we're going again in December um, for track in New Zealand in Invercargill, and you fly from Sydney to Queenstown. And when you fly into Queenstown, you land between like these mountains, and they're like snow capped, and then there's green grass down the wow. bottom, and all these lakes. It's like landing in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that that's pretty amazing. <laughs> and so your goals, obviously Rio. Yeah, that's a goal. Make the team. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, the, there's big goals and little goals, and it's obviously make each world championships for road and track up till then, uh, throw in a few gold medals, um, be a really good part of the Australian team, kind of enjoy it all and uh, approach training how I need to approach training every day and, yeah, little things like that along the way. So if you had any um, tips, if you're like, you know, if there was like some 15-year-old Alex sitting out there what would your what would your tips be about you know getting into paracycling oh save up your money for a good carbon bike first out no <laughs> um yeah be yeah. rich <laughs> yeah yeah um well if it's really what you want to do go for it you know um don't let anything hold you back if it's your dream and don't be afraid. I'm, I'm still working on that. I have um, a lot of fear and I think if I'm being kind of more focused when I was younger on getting past that, that would have been nice. Um, yeah, don't be scared or try not to be scared. Yeah. And um, the other thing I just wanted to ask you about quickly is obviously I started, I think I started following you because of your blog and your, twi oh. and your, twi and your Twitter and your photos. Is that is is writing something you want to do more of in the future? Is what writing? Yeah. No, I'm a terrible writer. I'm an engineer. <laughs> I write in bullet points. Oh, but you um, told, your stories were great. You told stories really. You you you've got a really good way of like. I, they they just felt you know it felt like you were talking to someone when you read them. Oh, yes, very conversational style <laughs> writing. Um, yeah, mostly because I kind of talk to myself while I do have to write things um yeah like I said I'm not a, a great writer I prefer to chat to someone in person or over Skype or whatever um but yeah I'm, I'm more along for the cycling side of the journey rather than the documentation of it yeah although your photos just make riding in Sydney look like the best thing in the world ever it's pretty snazzy you've got to try it <laughs> it's just all the beaches I don't know maybe maybe when I think of your world it, it, obviously the sun's always shining and the sea's always yeah. sparkling and things like that that's pretty much how it is like 99% of the time <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> and you're of course always smiling and happy <laughs> of course yeah it's the only way to be especially when you're a cyclist on the you know, beaches of Sydney, it's pretty, pretty good. Uh -huh. So if people want to follow you, where can they find you online? Oh, Twitter is probably my main thing, or Instagram. Yeah. Um, what, where are you on Twitter? Your, your, it's Alex underscore A underscore Green, is that right? Yes, that is my Twitter. And from there, if you go to my Twitter page, you can navigate to my website and then from there you can go to Facebook and Instagram and yeah Twitter's probably the best it's the most updated uh, I guess version of events cool and I'll put links to all of the Alex's uh, social media and stuff on my website prowomencycling.com um 
awesome massive good luck. oh and which bike shop should people shop in in sydney if they're looking for a new bike <laughs> Oh, it's easy. Clarence Street Cyclery and Clarence Street in Sydney is where I work. <laughs> yeah, so if you need a new bike, Australians, that's where to go to and say it's all because of Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, massive, massive good luck. Massive good luck getting to Rio um, and really hope everything goes well for you. Well, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much.